morning. We've had a wonderful morning today of good preaching, challenging preaching, soul-searching preaching, good exhortations. We ought to be better people having heard this. Good service last night as well, and no doubt will be a good service tonight. Thank you, Brother Merritt, for all of your kindness, kindness of your church, the nice place to rest, the delicious food to enjoy, and the opportunity again to be in your fellowship. I'm reading from the book of 1 Timothy this morning, chapter number 4. I'll read beginning with verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. You listen fast, I'll preach slow. <laughs> we'll get to lunch on time. I know how to do that. Now we're continuing actually what we began yesterday. We talked about some lessons about leadership, leadership. And I won't review this morning, but you can look at it for yourself. Lessons in leadership. Yesterday we focused on what the Lord Jesus had to say on the subject of leadership. Dr. V. Raymond Edmond said that it's our job to train servants. It's God's responsibility to call out leaders. The most Jesus ever said about leadership was this. If the blind lead the blind, will they not both fall into the ditch? Jesus never emphasized leadership, never taught a course about it. He taught fellowship and fellowship. Only good followers make good leaders. You follow Jesus. And if he calls you to be a leader, you'll be a good one. Keep following him. Now I gave you four or five words to go along with that. 
What did Jesus say about it? Now this morning we're going to look at some things that the Lord had the Apostle Paul write to his young protege. His name was Timothy, and Paul is writing to him. He's exhorting him concerning what's necessary to fulfill his calling as a leader. Let's read it together, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come. Now, Paul is talking about his personal coming to visit. He had referred to that earlier, but he says now, till I come. And meet with you. Here are some things you need to be thinking about. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly, completely, totally, give thyself wholly, them that thy profiting we just heard some emphasis on that word that thy profiting may appear to all take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them for in doing this Thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I want to give you just some broad thoughts. Won't particularize much about anything. Some broad thoughts from this passage. Now the word example is used in verse 12. Pay attention to that. He cautions the young Timothy and he says now, let no man despise thy youth. 
but be thou an example. I hold in my hand a watch. My watch has no effect on you. You don't see it. You don't read it. Does it affect you? But there's a difference in a watch and a public clock. When God puts you in a place of leadership, you have become the public clock. People who have watches and watch them are going to watch you and they're going to set their watch by your clock. Don't forget that. So we need to recognize the position of leadership is a crucial position. How many times do you go by the bank and you notice that public clock and automatically you look at yours? My, I might need to adjust my watch a little. That's the idea. Look, if you will, a little further. Verse 13. He gives, he expands, be example, several different things he said. In word, words are very important, aren't they? Very important. Somebody said, you need to watch the words that you use, make them nice and sweet. You never know which one you might have to eat. <laughs> Be a good example. Good word choices. Good word choices. Sometimes we use bad words. We do. Bad words. Sometimes. Listen. I forgot who I read after, but they said, for every person in your congregation that needs to be corrected, there's 10 to 20 people needs to be encouraged. Now that's good for a leader to remember. If you're not careful as a leader, you'll get keyed in on somebody that's giving you trouble. And you'll do your best to correct them somehow or another in kind of an obscure way where they don't know you meant to. <laughs> it's better to just keep your mind on just preaching the word as it is and let God do the correct. Because when we get in that situation, sometimes we use bad words. Be an example. 
in conversation, this talks about our general attitude and manner of living. In charity, good to have a lot of love about it. Right? And in spirit, little s. Capitalization is significant in the Bible as well as in every other writing. But sometimes we look at words and forget to notice that. This is talking about my spirit. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about my spirit, your spirit. What kind of spirit do I have? The human spirit. Be an example in spirit, in faith, in purity. All right, let's move to verse 13. Not only the crucial position, but notice the constant pursuits. Till I come, give attendance. What's that mean? Pay attention to this. Give attendance to, and he names some simple things. Number one, he said you ought to read. Now notice there is no qualifier in the text. Didn't say what you ought to read, he just said you ought to read. There's nothing that'll help a preacher quite like reading. I meet lots of preachers that do not read. Oh, they can read. They can read. They can read the Bible. They can read the newspaper. They can read, but they are not readers. That's an awful thing for a leader not to be a reader. You need to be a reader because in reading, it keeps the mind fresh it keeps the mind fresh reading if it's nothing but the newspaper if you can find the paper that's got any news on it I mean that's the problem you got broadcast 24-7 now they call news and I, Lord God it's been a long time since I heard anything new on the news who gives a rip what Hollywood's doing? And who run off with who's why? I would be interested to know what's happening in some crucial places around the world. But it's kind of hard to get to news. But reading anything is good. If nothing else, it's good for your vocabulary. You might learn a new word. Who knows? You might need that word somewhere or somebody else might need it. Well, read. Be a reader. If you're not a reader, chain yourself to a desk till you can be a reader. Get you some good books and read. This old Bible's pretty good to start off with. But I like to see what others thought when they read it. I do. Be a reader. Well, look a little further. Give attendance to exhortation. Again, there's not a qualifier. When someone's exhorting you, listen. That's a lot of what we've heard this morning. 
We've been exhorted. Be a her. Right? I like that. I told Brother Dagenhart back there a while ago, I said, I like that sermon, but I can't preach that. <laughs> I'd get my tongue wrapped around my ear with that. I have to leave that somebody else. Preach on that. I, I like to hear it, though. I got the message. That mean, I mean, I mean, I'm supposed to help somebody else stay in the fight. That's what it meant. I got it. Give attendance to that. And then the next brother. What a message he had. Tremendous. And the last brother. All of them. There's a lot of exhortation been done. So we need to give attendance to it when we're receiving. And we might need to do some of it. What's exhortation? It's encouraging somebody about what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to be. And to doctrine, what we believe. Pay attention to the body of truth that we hold and that we have and that has been handed to us. You say, why do I need to pay attendance to that because it's your responsibility to hand it off to somebody else. Most races are not lost on the backstretch. They're lost on the handoff. Somebody fumbles the baton and as leaders Pay attendance, give attendance to doctrine, the body of truth. Verse 14, not only constant pursuits, but he talks about a careless practice. Neglect, or neglect is a bad thing for a leader, isn't it? Bad thing. Negligence. Things left undone. Things started, never finished. Neglect not, and he he qualifies what he's talking about, neglect not the gift that is in me. Let me say something right here. Every person God has ever called to lead his church, he gifted that man to do it. Now we, we make a lot over the, 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 uh, um, the qualifications. We make a lot about what is said, about what to do, what not to do, and all of that. And we should. But you can be as qualified as you could possibly be. But if you don't have a gift, you still ain't going to fit. I, I, don't, I probably didn't say that the best. But there's a gift. There's a gift. There's a gift. And he said, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Now, any of y'all having trouble with that part of that verse? 
What about the next part? <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll figure out who I can put on the committee to sort the rest of this out. <laughs> he said, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which this gift was given thee by prophecy. Now that's interesting. Given thee by prophecy. With, now notice he used to, he didn't say given which was given thee by prophecy and laying on of hands. With the laying on of hands. What does the prophecy mean? Well, I'm going to just put it to you shortest way. I'm running out of time and you fix to go to dinner. If I can say this without getting shot, it was foreordained. That's what that means. God knew about it. You didn't. Well, he cornered Jeremiah up one day and filled him in on the plan. Well, he did. He said, now, before. <laughs> Sound like prophecy to me. Before. I formed you in the womb. Boy, that's a good verse to understand that there's more at work in childbirth than human and biological process. Sound to me like God's right in the middle of it. Before I formed you in the womb, before I brought you forth, I'd already knew you Or danger as a prophet to the nations. Now there's a good example. He said this gift was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands. Now, gifts are not conferred by men. They are only made conscious of them in others. and commend them and commission them for their places of labor. I'm quoting William MacDonald now. Here's an example. The Antioch Church. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called them. They laid their hands on them, prayed over them, and sent them away. That's what's happening here. Okay? Okay. Avoid the careless practice of neglecting the gift. First thing you need to do is discern your gift. 
then, with the help of God, develop your gift. And having some development, at least, deploy it. And having it deployed, take delight in it. There's no substitute for knowing you're doing what you were born to do. No substitute. You see, your enjoyment and your employment are tied together. Now, let's look a little further. This has already been talked about too. I almost didn't get to preach early enough. Half of it's already been prayed. Not only careless practice, look in verse 15, concentrated purpose. Meditate. That'll make your head hurt, won't it? Meditate. Meditation. Meditation. Meditate upon these things. Emphatic. Meditate upon these things. What things? The things he's just finished talking about. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly, totally to them that thy profiting may appear. You see, meditation is private. The result of it will get public. Yeah. The Lord talked about doing some things in private. He said, get in your closet, talk to me. And I'll get you up somewhere in front of people and they'll See your reward. Meditation is almost a lost art in today's world. Monte, meditation's tough. And meditation is taxing. It's taxing on the mind, on the body. Just meditation. See, meditation to a man is like rumination to a cow. Of course, you don't know about a cow, so I can't talk about that. But it is. That cow goes out early in the morning. While the dew's on the grass. And she gathers that grass. She's drinking and eating all at the same time. And she gathers that grass. And she'll go lay down under a tree when the sun's hot. And uh, I'll save you half of what you prepared for dinner if I told you what happened next, so I'm going to miss it. (laughs) I won't just leave it alone, but I'll put it in lesser descriptive terms. Uh, She's gathered, and then 
she begins to digest or chew and she'll be laying under the tree just relaxed as she can be just chewing away. What's she chewing? She's chewing what she gathered that morning. And boy, when she comes in the barn that evening, her profiting will appear. Hallelujah. See, I grew up on dairy farm. I'm going to tell you something you won't believe. I might already have, but I'm going to tell you something else. I never did like to milk cows. My older brother did. He loved to milk cows. He was down here at Mississippi State going to school. He lacked 12 hours and a thesis, having his doctorate in dairy science. An uncle of mine had a bad accident on the farm. He throwed all the paperwork down, went and bought a bunch of cows and about 200 acres of ground and spent the next 40 years milking cows. He had a kidney stone one time and he couldn't go. And that was back before they had litho and all of these new invasive, you know, non-invasive stuff. It looked like he operated him, operated on him with a home light chainsaw. <laughs> they cut him half in two, I'm talking about. He couldn't he couldn't lift anything above a fort for about three months. I was pastoring in Philadelphia then, and I went down and helped that other black fella milk all them cows. For three months. Sunday and all. Man, I'd get up. I'd get up at, on Sunday morning. I'd get up at 1.30. Took me 30 minutes to drive down to the farm. I'd get back to the house. We'd milked the whole shebang one time. I'd get back to the house in time to get a shower and get on my clothes and go to church and be ready to preach at 11. And before that three months is up, I'd sit down by a man there on the front seat. I said, wake me up when they quit singing. <laughs> Son, I'm going to tell you what, when you go to that dairy barn, at, at leave, get up at one o'clock in the morning, and most time I'd get home in the weekdays, I'd get home at 10 at night. We was tending about 300 head of cows scattered all over the place. Let me tell you what I started to do. But when you get in about two hours sleep, you can sleep anywhere. Right in the middle of a Baptist church. Sleep away. I saw one cow in that herd one cow in that herd give 108 pounds of milk one day. One hundred and eight pounds. How do I know? They were all on computer and every bit they put out is weighed. Got a computer printout on how much you gave. Number so and so. She gave 60-something that morning and 40-something that afternoon, 108 pounds of milk. I'd say the profiting appeared to all. 
she's got a milk cow and she's eating and chewing that cud, son. That's what. And I'm going to tell you something. If you'll get to where you can meditate, don't try to get you a quick sermon. If that's the way you're trying to preach at your church, may God have mercy on who you're preaching to. You've got to have time for that thing to mature. And it does in the oven of meditation. Now, you can get your thought and go milk cows and meditate. Meditate, ruminate, roll that thought around. This way, that way. Squeeze it, push it, shove it. Get something with it. I heard an old preacher say this. I'll give this to you. He said, the best wines are not made from pressed grapes. You ought to write that in the fly leaf of your Bible. You say, I don't, I don't understand what you're getting at. If you let them grapes hang there long enough to drip without pressing, the wines will be smooth and Meditation. Meditation. All right. Verse 16. This is what you've been wanting me to get to ever since I've been up here, and we're right on top of it. Here it is, if I can get this paper apart. Continued cautions or precautions. Look at it. Notice the order of this text. Take heed unto thyself. Now, I know every one of you have preached on that word thyself. Which which writer? I've got a book by somebody. What to do with ourselves. Who wrote that? Guy King. It's a good book. But here he said, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. I wonder why he didn't put the doctrine first. Why didn't didn't he put doctrine first? He's already mentioned doctrine once in this passage. But he said, take heed to thyself. Let me just tell you like this. You can be just as straight on your doctrine as you could be. But if you hadn't got your own self in line with that doctrine, you can forget it. I mean, you can just find a corner and hush because you're through. You see, take heed to thyself. Don't let what you do negate the doctrine you preach. Don't let your actions kill your argument. Don't let your attitude kill your argument. 
Take heed to thyself and under the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Leadership. Needs intelligence, need intensity, we need integrity. Several years ago, I was having lunch in Atlanta, Georgia with an oncologist friend of mine. We were talking about several things, particularly in the medical field. Being an oncologist, he had done a lot of research, treated a lot of people with malignancies. And I posed the question to him. I said, Doc, do you think there'll ever be a cure? for cancer. He said, why, son, you've asked the wrong question. I said, well, hold it there. I'll withdraw my question. <laughs> if I said the wrong thing, I'll say something different. He said, the question is not, will there ever be a cure for cancer? The question is, will the cure for cancer ever be allowed? to be made financially feasible and available to the public. Now this conversation is way back before economic turndown and all of this in recent years. Here's way back. And he said this. He said, if there was a cure for cancer and diabetes, just two problems, that was a cure for these two things made readily available to the population of the United States, it would literally bankrupt the country. There's that much money being made. Now, he did some things unorthodox to the FDA. He no longer practices in this country and I'm not going to tell you where he is. I know where he is, but I'm not going to tell you. Our conversation went on after that a little bit and he made this statement and I'm going to quit, quit with it. He said, if you want to know the people who are making a difference in your world, it's very easy to find. I said, how? He said, find the people that have arrows in their back. It 
every person who now wears a crown of glory when we study history wore a crown of thorns while they were here. Those are the people that have made a difference. Be a leader and be the best one you can be. Don't neglect your gift. Delight in who God's made you, what he let you do. And may he be magnified. Thank you.